Welcome to the MS Gym Podcast, where we give you the tools to live life by design, not by diagnosis. I'm your host, Brooke Slick, and here we go. Hi, everyone. We're back today with Anna Crum. Um, if you haven't listened to the first two parts of our series on diet and MS, I highly recommend you give them a listen. But today is as promised, the bonus episode where we discuss post-HSCT diet for people with MS. And actually, I'm supposing this would go for anybody who's had HSCT, whether it's for CIDP or MS or lupus or whatever. Anna is going to lend us her advice from experience, which she's going to share with us her experience on recovery. And it's a doozy, let me tell you. She's going to give us some advice on what we should do with our diet to, you know, we get this blank slate uh, because we have this fantastic treatment to stop the progression of our disease. And now is the perfect opportunity to start over with our diet. Anna's going to tell us how we can safely do that. Anna, hello. Hi. Anna, please tell all the people out there listening about your very unique multi-layered recovery story. Well, hello to all of my HSCT vets. I had HSCT in Moscow in 2016 and of likely equal, possibly more weight than my education is my life experience with this transplant. And I think I'm an example of a case study of what not to do. And I've learned a lot of this recovery information because the floor fell out from underneath my feet. I was diagnosed with secondary adrenal insufficiency right out of Russia. They couldn't get me off steroids. I ended up with AVN in 2017. I've had a double hip replacement and I broke my thyroid. I have had complication to complication to complication. I've had neurotransmitter imbalance issues. I've had GI issues. It has been anything but smooth sailing for me post HSCT. However, with that said, sometimes the easiest way to learn something is when you're just thrown into the ocean and told to start swimming. And I've put a lot of these pieces together for my own health and hopefully for all of you because I went through it, because I was able to see both sides. Like my phrase that I always go to is I have the perspective of a practitioner, but the heart of the patient. So I have, have all the biochem knowledge, but I also have the real life experience and like HSCT, it tends to matter more. So I'm very excited because everything that I've learned in, in my adventures is how to help prevent a lot of this from happening. Now that you can see both sides and you see all these little tiny little steps that I missed along the way. Um, it actually wasn't until post HSCT that I started really studying integrative and functional medical nutrition therapy. And I really started asking the questions because like Brooke said, now is the time you just reset your whole immune system. You, you have a second chance. Now is the time that you need to take this by the reins and just drive forward as hard and as fast as you can, because you are in a perfect opportunity to ensure that your new baby immune system is going to grow back. It's going to be healthy. It's going to be strong. And you're not going to ever redevelop an autoimmune condition. You have a very unique opportunity. We're no longer working underneath the diagnosis. We're essentially going back to look at what went wrong and we're preventing a re recurrent diagnosis. And so this is, I'm very excited. This is an opportune time. Well, I'm excited to have you here. I know it's a very hot topic. Um, so let's start at the beginning. So secondary adrenal insufficiencies. What are your adrenals and why are they important? Your adrenal glands are endocrine glands that sit on top of your kidneys. 
they release hormones in response to fight or flight. So stress, those are your epinephrine, adrenaline, noradrenaline, norepinephrine. Those are those type of neurotransmitters. And they can also influence your neurotransmitter balance. So back to the last session, neurotransmitter balance can be a factor in the pathophysiology of MS. So now post HSCT, we're going to look at trying to balance those neurotransmitters. And we really need to look at your adrenals as they're a very vital process to this. And your adrenals can be affected by stress. And I'm not just talking, you had a busy week, even though that is a thing, but you just went through chemo. You just had a ton of steroids. You had a ton of antibiotics and your whole body just shifted. The amount of physiological stress your body is under is, is huge. And the level of steroids that we had for the glucocorticoid therapy, steroids that we had, we had such high doses in such a short amount of time. We had such high doses of chemo in such an amount of time. And so what happens is that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is called an HPA axis, gets hit very hard during that process. And this axis can be suppressed after even a single dose of steroids, but it typically recovers quickly. However, you just went through the gamut of all of these assaults and it might take longer to recover. And in some cases it doesn't. And that's when we see things like secondary adrenal insufficiency pop up because your adrenals flip the switch and it's going to take a while to turn them back on. Some cases they don't. I was fortunate enough that it took me about seven months to come off of steroids. The last thing we want is for somebody to come out of HSCT, end up with secondary adrenal insufficiency and to keep having to take steroids as then we're looking at increasing your chances for AVN. So what I want to do is I want to eventually dive in with each one of you and give you actionable steps of how to support your adrenal based on what's going on in the picture, whether that's taking um, support like phosphatidylserine or increasing your omega-3s or if we're looking at, you know, decreasing inflammation in the gut, which we are, we're just toying around with the order here, um, and supporting your sleep. Whether that's, you know, if you're low in neurotransmitters, which neurotransmitters are you low in? Do we need more GABA? Do we need more dopamine? Do we need more serotonin? And to prevent your adrenals from breaking, because sometimes that can have very long-term consequences. And if you end up with Cushing's or even Addison's and you're on steroids long-term, then we're talking about compromised bone health. And that's never fun. So Anna, speaking of bone health, it's my understanding that you uh, developed avascular necrosis, also known as AVN, which it seems to be, though apparently there's no real evidence, so they say that they're related. Many post-HSCTers have developed AVN, therefore needing to get hip replacement. What can you tell us about your experience and what are your thoughts on the connection between the two? AVN is something I wouldn't wish on anybody. However, from what I've learned and what I've been researching on this side and then dealing with it and looking, hindsight's twenty twenty, and looking back at my case, I do think there are a couple major steps that you can take to help prevent AVN, at least give your body the best chance. So many times we're looking at AVN, it's an autoimmune condition. And my question to everybody is why is it an autoimmune condition? Well, two things. One, we get steroids. We get high-dose IV steroids for any relapse. And two, most of the time, because of the vitamin D connection, we are supplementing with very high doses of vitamin D. And the reason vitamin D plays a role in this is when you take vitamin D, it releases osteoblasts, which released osteocalcin. Osteocalcin 
is the most abundant protein in the bone. But when osteocalcin isn't activated, it just sits there in pools. And undercarboxylated osteocalcin is actually one of the highest risks for bone fracture. What you have to do in order to activate the osteocalcin to then form this protein matrix that forms on your bone and it protects your bone is it's a different supplement. And that is vitamin K, not K, vitamin K that you think of with warfarin and coumadin and blood thinners, but it's a different class of vitamin K is K2. It's a menaquinone. And vitamin K2, specifically vitamin K27, has been researched in relation to osteoporosis and even a vascular necrosis. And because it is what activates it and protects your bones, you stand a much better chance. So if we're looking at steroids, we are hitting the bone really, really hard, but we're also supplementing with these hydros of vitamin D. You have lost all of your vitamin K stores. Vitamin K2 is not found in your diet very much so, unless you are a very follower of Dr. Wall's diet, for example, and you're eating a lot of organ meat. It's found in brain and liver and natto, and it's, it's not in your common diet. And the other thing we're looking at is your body can synthesize K2, but you just received chemo. Your gut took quite an atomic bomb. Your bacteria, the antibiotics, your whole microbiome has been shifted. Likely to say you're not synthesizing nearly enough vitamin K2 either. So learning this ratio and this balance, looking at some of your your nutrient and micronutrient statuses is you can better protect by utilizing the vitamin D that you're taking, you can utilize it and bind it to the bone. So there's been some studies that actually showed showed preventing osteonecrosis in, in mice. They were um, received, you know, their steroids, hydrosteroids, and the mice that were supplemented also with K27 did not get osteonecrosis, the mice that did not did. So again, it's probably not a cure-all. There's multiple factors. How many steroids have you had in your life? We're going to look at genetic SNPs for your bone. There are SNPs that can affect your bone density. Um, your What's it, When you say SNP, what do you mean? Single nucleotide polymorphism. That's one of your little genetic vulnerabilities that you okay. may have a vulnerability in, in bone health. So whether your body's able to assimilate and utilize calcium, whether it's, you know, utilizing your vitamin D or if it's upregulating your vitamin D just because you're taking the supplement it's not guaranteed to do exactly what you're assuming it's doing that's that's at a biochemical level and so directing those supplements and balancing this out a little bit better will definitely give your bones a much better chance at forming this solid protection this barrier against the steroids against the chemo so each person has a different snip Yes, they'd have a different genetic expression of it, whether it's, you know, we're looking at like, say red is bad. So we're looking at a very recessive homozygous, you know, function is likely going to be limited here. You also have to remember, like was said in the previous session, while your body is under this amount of stress, your SNPs are more likely to be, to be expressing as in they're not working very well. Just because you have a SNP doesn't mean it's expressing, but in conditions of severe physiological stress, that's, that's your vulnerability. That's where your body is going to crack. So if you already have these SNPs and you just went through this entire process, likely your body isn't making this process work. And that's when we come in with very directed supplementation to support this. And then if we balance it out, you know, proper K27, proper vitamin D, proper calcium, and there's even more potassium, magnesium, there's a whole bunch of things that work in concert to protect your bones. It's not as simple as taking high-dose vitamin D. And in fact, taking just high-dose vitamin D is not doing your bones a service because all you're doing is pooling that under osteocalcin. Where would somebody 
obtain this K27? Would they just run out and buy it or they would run out and buy it after they've been giving a consultation by you? I would advise after a consultation, especially if you already are on any any blood thinners, you know, as we all know, K can antagonize blood thinners. And so I have to look at that level as well. I want to look at your cardiac health. I don't want to interfere with anything else, but we can change the dose of vitamin C supplementation. We can change different things like that. Are you even absorbing your vitamin D or because, you know, you know, autoimmune and gut, are you mal, are you malabsorbing it? So do we need to give you a liposomal form of vitamin D that you can easily assimilate and use, you know, is your body upregulating due to inflammation? Do we need to put your inflammation down before your body's going to utilize vitamin D the way it's supposed to? You know, there's a whole bunch of different factors in here, but I was really excited to put all this research together because the biggest fear on all of these forums is I don't want AVN. Hopeless. We feel like it's this roulette, like who gets it, who doesn't. And I'm sure there are other factors here as well that aren't addressed. How many steroids have you had in your whole life? You know, right. time deal, was it not? but there are steps you can take to better protect yourself. And Anna, you are a dietitian, but you are a particular breed of dietitian. And what's the title of that again? Yeah, it is a mouthful. So it confuses a lot of people. My own health has highlighted the drawbacks to utilizing conventional medicine alone. So I'm not camp conventional, I'm not camp functional, but I fall somewhere in between. I realize there's a place for conventional and there's a place for functional. And I look at biochemistry. And so what I am is I'm an integrative functional medical nutrition therapy dietitian. I specialize in integrative functional medical nutrition therapy. So it's IFMNT. So you're combining the two types yes. of practices into one. Yes, because it's you know, sometimes functional medicine go a little bit left field and sometimes conventional just doesn't see the full picture. It's very allopathic. So it's very disjointed and it's not putting all the puzzle pieces together. So I nerd out on nutritional biochemistry and I start pulling all these little pieces together. Basically. So you're much like Dr. Fedorenko in that you look at the patient's entire history, their whole big picture, not just little pieces of it. Yeah, it's like it's connecting the dots. I, I want to know everything from, you know, birth to now. Um, even post HSCT, it's not just the fact you had HSCT. I want to go back and look at all of the possible factors that propelled you didn't need HSCT. And I want to help take a hammer to a lot of this and reverse it. So let's make that many more barriers in between you and going back to where you were. Okay, Anna, I would like to discuss thyroid health post HSCT. There are a lot of patients out there. I know this just from looking at different veteran groups. Um, a lot of people deal with thyroid issues post transplant. I want to know why. Is it because of the HSCT? Could it be something else? What's the story? There's a lot of factors, again, that go into thyroid. I am one of the thyroid complications post-HSCT. I was diagnosed with drug-induced hypothyroidism at two years. So let's go back to the basics, your thyroid gland and why it's important. And your thyroid gland is a vital hormone gland. So it plays a major role in metabolism, growth, development, it even regulates body functions. These thyroid hormones are very important and balancing these out are also very important. It produces, well, these hormones regulate your body's metabolic rate, your heart, your digestive function, brain development, it can affect your muscle control, and it can even 
affect your bone maintenance. So let's again, let's put another factor for another thing that can affect your bone health. So correct functioning depends on iodine in your diet, but there's other things that can affect your thyroid and, and steroids. Steroids are huge. So long-term steroid use or even just short-term high-dose steroids can easily affect your thyroid function. What happens is it reduces the conversion of your thyroxine, which is T4, to the more active hormone, which is T3. And, and in this case, you can end up with hyperthyroidism, which is you have an overabundance of a of a hormone, if you can end up with hypothyroidism, which means you're lacking in a hormone. And in some cases, you can even end up with autoimmune thyroid disorders, which is going to be Hashimoto's. Many individuals with hypothyroidism have a lot of factors that go into this. So we're looking at thyroid and we're going to be looking at, we're going to look at your GI tract. We are going to look to see if you have enough stomach acid? Um, do you have delayed gastric emptying? Or do you have bacterial overgrowth in the intestine? Because going back to how everybody's different, your microbiome can influence your thyroid. Um, heavy metal toxicity can influence, your, can influence your thyroid. So that goes back to look at genetics. Are you detoxifying? Are you, methyl, you, know, are you properly methylating out any of these toxins? There are specific genes that can make you more susceptible to, to impacted thyroid health. Nutrient deficiencies, medications, any endocrine, endocrine disruptor, which we already talked about how the chemo and the steroids can affect your adrenals, which can affect your endocrine system, um, hormone imbalance, which also HSDT likes to cause that to flux as well. We're going back to the GI tract again. We're looking at leaky gut, intestinal permeability. And we also have to look to see what was the condition prior. And I know we won't get a direct impact, but based on your past history, could thyroid have always been affected via, you know, a genetic SNP that you are recessive? And now just because so much just happened, did it, did it break? But hypothyroidism, especially Hashimoto's, it affects so much and balancing it can be, can be a chore to get the right levels. And it affects like we're talking about all of these symptoms post HSCT and we're talking like cognition and brain fog and even sleep and all of these things that are already affected. So is it your thyroid? Is it your hormones? Is it your adrenals? Is it all of the above? Do we need to support all of the above? And there are ways to support your thyroid to bolster it, so to speak. So we can bolster its function. We can bolster any genetic SNPs. We can ensure it has enough selenium, enough iodine. We can ensure that you have enough, you know, amino acid. Tyrosine is, is big for the thyroid. We can make sure you know, you're taking maybe an anti-supplementary support, you know, especially if you have, if you end up with Hashimoto's, that's a sign that your immune system is overreacting again, and it's still attacking you just in a different way. So we can try to decrease those TPO antibodies and decrease that immune response to your thyroid, because the last thing we want with HSCT is an overreactive immune system that you just reset to not attack you. So there's I mean, it varies. Again, this is going to be very individualized. You know, what's your TSH level? What's your T3 level? What's your T4 level? And what are the factors that go into this? But there are some very actionable things that you can do. I mean, we can make sure you have enough cortisol in your body. We can make sure your adrenals are supported. We can make sure that, you know, we're supporting detox and your immune system. And most importantly, we can make sure that we're supporting enough hormone levels of your thyroid because you need your thyroid. It's like I said, it's a vital hormone. And how would you do this? Through supplement or through diet or both? Or both. 
Uh, again, it depends on the person. If somebody is post HSCT, knowing the condition of their gut from the chemo, it would be supplementation, but it would also be looking, like I said, it would be looking at all of the factors. So you would not want to overly support detox or methylation or drive detox and methylation so to speak directly after your transplant. You need a functioning GI tract in order to do that. You need your GI tract needs to be healed. You can't have intestinal permeability or what happens when you go to detox any of, of these toxins is you reabsorb it. You know, it slips through those missing cobblestones on the sidewalk and it just reabsorbs and it caused re-injury. So it depends on the person. It depends on the phase that they are in post-HSCT, but it is definitely a vital thing to start looking at and addressing. And it is something that you can do. It is something that you have. There are tools, there are resources and ways that you can support your thyroid more so than just taking, you know, a thyroid medication. So Anna, can you tell us about the effect of chemo on your microbiome, on your health in general, and how it relates to your diet after transplant? How much damage does it do? Chemotherapy can be associated with many um, powerful physiological and even emotional symptoms, as I'm sure anybody post-HSCT realizes. We say recovery roller coaster and everybody doesn't, you know, doesn't blink or bat an eye until you're going through it and you're just like, what is happening to me? It is a roller coaster, but chemo is a toxin. It is a necessary evil in this, this scenario where your immune system is out to get you and it is going to be the one agent that's going to get your immune system, but it's not only going to attack your immune system. It's, you're not just targeting that. Sadly, it's not you know, we just get chemo and it just kills these, you know, it is systemic. And one of the most susceptible places that are vulnerable to these toxicities of chemo is your gastrointestinal tract and your central nervous system. So as we talked before, this gut brain, you know, connection, you just got chemo and you've had steroids and antibiotics all in one go. Your gut has an atomic bomb went off in your gut. So we're looking at changes in your microbiome. You're likely on a neutropenic diet, which means that you're getting a lot less fiber. So you're changing your bacterial diversity that way because of all the damage and the toxins you likely have increased intestinal permeability. Your digestion is affected. You go through such major changes post, post HSCT that working with somebody and going alongside somebody who's going to help you figure out what to do and when is really important. It is not advantageous for you to stay on a neutropenic diet longer than necessary because of the changes in your microbiome. You need that fiber. You need those antioxidants. The sooner you can add in prebiotics and probiotics and all these things to help heal your gut, the better off you're going to be, the more neurotransmitters your body's going to produce. So then you can go back to balance those neurotransmitters and help your mood, help that motivation, decrease that anxiety, help you sleep because sleep is vital. If you're not sleeping, your body's not even attempting to get rid of some of these toxins. So it all like connects together. And the biggest red flag to me is, was for me is when I learned all of this is when I came home, like I said, I'm a case study, what not to do, but I had, I didn't have any resources to follow. I didn't have anybody who was trying to put all these pieces together with what just happened. Most of my physicians didn't quite understand what just happened, let alone how diet can affect all of this. So you need to stay on steroids for your adrenal. Now you're on thyroid meds or, you know, you have SIBO, you know, and I didn't, ahead of time, I didn't understand how all this, this 
impacts each other. But now I see that it's such a web and everything works in concert. If you, you know, pull a little piece here, you're moving the whole picture. Like a, a Django where you take a little piece out and it affects the whole, yeah. No, that's exactly what it is. You can't just address, you know, if we're talking about even thyroid or adrenal function, if one is weak, then it's affecting the other and vice versa. If they are both working and they're supporting each other and looking back at the gut, that's also going to help your adrenals, going to support your thyroid. It's going to help your mood. It's going to help the neurotransmitter balance. And most importantly is the second we can start adding in some of these things like prebiotics and probiotics or digestive enzymes to ensure nutrient status, the more biochemical pathways are going to run smoothly in your body and give you the best chance at recovering more quickly. So what would be the best way for somebody to know, for instance, okay, is it okay for me to transition out of a, a neutropenic diet? How do they know? Testing? Testing, definitely lab work. First off, I would say hands down, follow a hematologist, be seen by a hematologist. If it's not Dr. Federinko, if you had it done in, you know, Northwestern, you know, talk, talk to that hematologist because they are likely giving you varying answers based on your own, your own case. How, how far neutropenic are you? What is, what are the levels? What are the levels of your white blood cells? What are the levels of your neutrophils? What are the levels of your lymphocytes? And then when you get the all clear or even, even working with a functional medicine doctor, or even a functional dietitian, we kind of have an idea of like this level. Like if we get to a certain point, like now's the time we're going to start adding in fiber. We're going to start prebiotics. We're going to start, we're going to start things that are going to start healing your gut because your gut needs help healing after, after HSCT. It's not something that is miraculously just going to heal itself because what heals your, your GI lining to give you that barrier that doesn't program that systemic inflammation from your enteric nervous system that we talked about, your enteric nervous system signaling your, your central nervous system. Food doesn't heal your GI tract. Your bacteria does. And your bacteria diversity was just obliterated and it's shifting very much. And so getting that back on track as soon as we can is going to get rid of that inflammation and it's going to be, it's going to give you the best chance and it's going to give you the best chance of this new immune system being, you know, autoimmune free. It's going to change that immune reactivity. Now, would let, let's say I was the post-HSCT patient. Would I go directly to my hematologist? Are they going to know? Wouldn't I come to you first to know exactly what I should be getting tested, then take that information to the hematologist and have him order it? It, is that the most ideal scenario with regard to the service that you provide? Honestly, as long as I had a panel as a dietitian, I mean, that's a neurologist and a hematologist, um, you know, specialty to run a lymphocyte subset panel and to run that type of lab work. But as long as I had that information, I could, I could make use of it. So Anna, I'm sure there are a lot of newly transplanted patients out there who are looking for dietary advice. What do I eat? What shouldn't I eat? What should I be careful with? I think that's a huge, huge topic. What advice can you give to those people who are newly transplanted? I would, again, say follow a neutropenic diet for X amount of time until, you know, work with somebody until we figure out your neutrophils and your lymphocytes and stuff are increasing. And then we can go into fixing your gut and quelling that inflammation. But in that interim, I think it's very important to still 
stay on an anti-inflammatory diet, not a, I got a new immune system. I'm going to go eat everything I want to eat. Like we still need to be looking at, we're looking at a new immune system. The last thing we want to do is have it reprogrammed to go haywire. So we're going to be looking at, you know, fruits and vegetables. We're going to be looking at your low glycemic carbohydrates. We're going to be looking at anti-inflammatory spices. We're going to be looking at your omega-3s. We're going to be avoiding high fat foods, trans fats. We're going to be avoiding high sugar foods. We're going to be, you know, avoiding any insufficient, insufficient nutrient deficiencies. Like any type of insufficient nutrient is going to affect your, fed back to your biochemical processes. Like you want to make sure that your body can function the way that it was meant to in the best of its ability, especially after this. So we're going to be looking at a, ideally we'll be looking at a genetic level and seeing where your predispositions already lie. And if you have any in thyroid or adrenal supplementation here is very important because we can't, we can't guarantee your digestion. We can't guarantee your microbiome health. We can't guarantee the level of bacteria. We can't guarantee any of this. So supplementation comes into play here, but not DIY over the counter supplementation. It needs to be very directed and geared to you. Back to you and the services that you offer. Those are the kinds of things that you can guide people in the correct direction. Am I right? Yes, most definitely. Now, this is actually a passion of mine. My HSET vets, like I, I, all I want to do is just dive down in the trenches with you and help pull you through a little bit more smoothly and more quickly than my rocky road of a recovery. Well, I think the need is definitely out there. Let's say somebody wanted you, your advice, your personal advice. Where would they go? My website, um, it'll take you automatically to a scheduling page if you want to book a private consultation. But if you just want to get your, you know, your toes wet and you're not willing to dive right down, you know, deep into it and you just want the information, I also developed a, a course with several modules as well for post-HSCT. So we're going to go through the same topics we talked about with a little bit more in-depth and some actionable steps and some more research, you know, resources if you want to continue your research in that direction. That's is a fantastic idea. Oh my God. Yeah, at least it's somewhat of, of a guide. So you're not, you're not sorting through all of this by yourself. That's very exciting. So you said restorativenutrition.com. Yes. Okay. I also have a Facebook page as well. And for anybody that either purchases one of these resources or works with me, then there'll be a private Facebook forum as well for more like community support for people going through the same thing and trying to figure this all out. Well, that is very cool. We're definitely going to be looking for that. This is very exciting stuff. Anna, is there anything else as we button things up here? Is there anything else you'd like to say to all the post-HSC2 people out there who just landed, you know, just got off the plane, they're heading home, they walk in the door, and they're panicking about, what am I going to eat? I want a burger. First thing, don't panic. Let's not stress your adrenals or your thyroid anymore, especially your adrenals. No stress. I just, I don't want people to feel like they have to go through this alone or they have to experiment or if they get it wrong, you know, something terrible is going to happen. I want them to feel empowered that yes, you've been through this insane process, but one, you're a warrior. Look what you, look what you just made it through. I mean, that's incredible. And you are the type of driven person that has already taken your health into your own hands and you have you have made this happen for yourself don't stop there with everything that can go wrong turn it into things that you can do to 
to direct your health, to, to make a difference, to make sure that this works for you. Anna, I am so excited to have had the opportunity to talk to you. You are incredible. You are a wealth of knowledge. And I hope that everybody takes advantage of the services that you are now providing for people. Thank you so, so much for doing this entire series. If you haven't already listened to it, part one and part two of this series will be available or already are available. And I just, I'm so excited about this entire topic now, a topic that way too many of us ignore. And now I'm, now I'm feeling guiltier than ever, but excited as well. So thank you. As long as you feel empowered and I've restored some level of hope, then I've done my job. Yes, that's exactly, that's exactly it. And I'm just, I'm thrilled that you've been here with me today. Thank you so, so much. Take care, Anna. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you'd like to know more about the MS Gym, you can find them at www.themsgym.com on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to know more about what I've been up to, you can catch me at www.brookslick.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you on the next episode.